0: so we're taking Q and Q and A's we're doing Q and A's we're taking questions we're giving answers we might be asking questions and taking answers too we're not what is we're not the gonna put about? any labels we're not gonna put any labels on this this could be a and Q uh, as well so if anybody has any questions about coffee or jazz piano or practicing or I don't know so what what is your uh what is your coffee of choice from blueprint before we get any questions here
1: Okay, and we actually have one I'm gonna show you in a second, but I'll tell you this is um you know, I'm I'm uh I'm subscribed to them because I usually go there in person, as you know every day when I'm in St. Louis. Yeah. yeah. But they're yeah, yeah. nice enough to um drop off a bag, contactless drop off. Uh a gloved gentleman brings this and throws it at the front porch. But it's uh every two weeks Finca. Uh, <laughs> but it's like whatever they're it's uh, from Columbia. And I know we got some fans of the podcast down in Columbia. That's actually kind of a big listening post for us. So I always think about our Colombian brothers and sisters when I'm drinking Finca Tamana single origin. And uh, it's great, man. This lasts me actually two weeks. I'm the only one who really drinks. Well, Rachel drinks a little bit in the house, but it's good.
0: Um, All right. So we, okay. got, we have some questions already.
1: All right. Well, I'm going to just give this one. And why don't you keep an eye on those ones coming up from um, That Boy Tom. If you want to press the question thing at the bottom of Instagram, that's a good way to get our attention. You can certainly put it in the chat too, but we may miss it. Um, that boy Tom says, "Will you have more transcription analysis videos of solos?" Yes, have we? we will
0: have we had any so far? Really?
1: Well, Corey Henry. Was,
0: that was more of a that was more of a play by play than I think a <laughs>
1: detailed analysis. We got called out a little bit. I know, but it's a hey, but. Well, we've done some Herbie Hancock, didn't we? Do the um, one of his, like, all of you solo or, or uh, something from My Funny Valentine. Maybe some Kenny Kirkland. Oh, we definitely did Kenny Kirkland on um, Bring on the Night. That's true. Thing. Yeah, yeah. We,
0: we should do more. I even like the play-by-play things. Just talking about what's happening and how it's hitting us, I think, is uh, it's good for me to just think about, you know, much less, uh, like, transcribing something and uh, uh, an- analyzing. That's what we should do. We should have Max transcribe something for us. Yes. And then we analyze the heck out of it. That could be a thing. That's good. Good stuff. Uh, so Rob talk, says, talk about um, talk about playing patterns in your practice, and it's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately because of the the got the daily guided practice session that I've been doing, and just thinking about ways to practice improvising with patterns in a way that doesn't make you come out sounding like you practice patterns. Yes. And w- when you listen to someone like Kenny Kirkland on. Uh, Frizinian man like someone's just talking about here there are definitely melodic patterns that he's playing and so you know there's a thought that at some point he probably worked on patterns i would say you when you work on things like patterns you more want to think about it like i'm not like peter's going away but you don't no, want to I think about you. it like here. you don't want to think about it like i'm learning these specific patterns by rote so that i can just like insert them into said core change here more like you you want to change your brain waves so that you can think in patterns and, and sort of play melodically with patterns in mind. Not that there's any preconceived patterns that are going to happen, but more just like you understand how to put together melodic shapes in a way that you can make interesting patterns. This is just, you know, this is like simple, um, uh, a, a thematic development, really. I mean, you, you, it's the same kind of concept as, as, as opposed to just playing a pattern, like here's my pattern A, here's my pattern B, here's my pattern C, I'm just going to insert here. It's more it's more getting your, your musical brain thinking in ways of different ways that you can organize things on the fly so that when you're on, maybe it's a chord you didn't even practice any of these patterns or it's a shape you didn't practice, but because you right. are working on in applying different shapes on the fly... Uh, and you have some kind of like a uh, mental pathway for how to, how to throw those over chord changes because you've rehearsed it in the practice room, it becomes yeah. much easier to do. And then you can actually like, you can actually talk with patterns, which is how you, you know, ultimately you want it to sound like Kenny Kirkland where it sounds <laughs> like you're just playing these amazing, you know, um, uh, thematic ideas as opposed to just like pattern a, no one wants that. You know? Right,
1: right, right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. And I think it's, it's, it took me a while. I, I always kind of subscribe to that uh, philosophy in a way. Um, but I would always say, like, don't learn patterns. Don't practice patterns. Because the only way that I really associated it was with, you, you know, making it this kind of programmatic, B, C, right. whatever, and then taking it in a way that was almost anti-music. But, you know, when I started to realize that, especially in terms of construction of solos, construction of tunes, how you develop things, um, taking a pattern and then manipulating it in a musical way. And so you're coming from that mindset of of music and groove and everything, and you're placing the patterns and letting the music and the storytelling sort of decide where that's going. That's like super interesting. And I think there's also things that are like very specific to different instruments and that you can take from other instruments. So like if you learn a trumpet solo, if you're a piano player, I always think that's interesting because the kinds of patterns, it's really more about the different kinds of shapes and you can get a little bit of an insight into the way trumpet players uh, think about shapes, you know, in terms of like fingering. You know what I mean? It's like we do certain things on the piano and and if you as you go to a higher level, you start to associate the way things feel and the shapes of them with how they sound. And that becomes like a pattern uh, that's identifiable in your playing. But every instrument, you know, drums and it, you know, you can learn a little bit about it. But if you transcribe a solo from a different instrument from yours, you're going to be thrown into a world of different kinds of patterns. And that's a great way to get out of that more. The other kind of pattern. We should come up with two different kind of names for patterns. The bad kind and the good kind. That would make it easier, right?
0: Yeah, I like the idea of shapes. Shapes to me fits more about what we're talking about here. Because you can take a shape and apply it over any melodic, you know, scale. You can change the rhythm, a pattern. To me, are you, are you oh, using sorry. a jackhammer? I, no, What's I gone? gotta show you
1: what I'm doing here. It's a little, it's a little sunny, man. It's, <laughs> I gotta get the umbrella up here, man. What's up? There you yeah. go. Look at that pattern. It's nice yeah.
0: out though. Yeah. Uh, are the shapes visualized while playing? So that's the cool thing about the piano is that you can kind of see it. It's a great way to to apply it in the practice room, yeah. where you're just taking a shape. And that way, you can move it around any scale, or even like change the exact intervals, you know, in the shape of itself. As long as the shape kind of keeps the general shape of it, yeah. you still get that same feeling. So even if it's just like uh, like up little jump, big jump down little, that can be different intervals. Those can all be different intervals, but that same pattern can still be applied. And that's what I'm talking about about changing the way you think about. You know, practicing patterns. You're really thinking about like laying shapes over different kinds of situations, and that's when I think a lot of real great improvisers shine with this kind of stuff. Kenny Kirkland, especially.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, can we talk a little bit about uh, rhythmic patterns? You know, it's it's always the assumption that we're that that it's a melodic pattern, and obviously, you know, for for improvisation, any kind of pattern that you set up, whether you're copying it, creating it, conscious, unconscious, is going to. you know, we're going to be thinking about it as as a melodic thing, but there's rhythm and there's harmony that's always involved with that too. But just really learning about rhythmic patterns and how, and and that's great to get from different drummers and interacting with them. Um, That's one way, but just Herbie Hancock, the way he comps and patterns, they're very much comps. There's a lot, obviously a lot of harmony and a lot of things going on, but he has a whole rhythmic, you know, pattern concept that he uses for comping that, that, and I mean, Kenny Kirkland, for sure. somebody, Yo, I can't even say his name. Young bleep. Yo, Kenny Kirkland is lit. Absolutely. And if you look at his rhythmic patterns that he uses, very advanced and and, and a real kind of entry point there as well. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I think we got another of the official questions, perhaps. Oh, yeah. Can I uh, read one from the Jumpy Monkey? Jumpy Monkey, what's up? What are the first 15 standards someone should learn in your opinion? Ooh, this is a good you'll hear one. This is the kind of thing that we have... We are poised to be supposed experts in such a thing. And so let's see if we can. Maybe we could go back and forth and see if we can get up to 50. Okay? Yep. Yep. Go ahead.
0: It depends.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, just I'm saying why don't you name one standard and then I'll name one and we'll go, oh, it depends. Okay. So what's it depend on?
0: So this is is one of these questions we get asked a lot about and I've evolved over the years because we've talked about sort of – regional standards and so now i think more on the along along lines of like what are the people that you want to play with playing because i feel like that that is something to consider now if you're a real real beginner something like obviously autumn leaves is something that that a lot of people start with something like that because okay that's my one okay go
1: ahead (laughs) no no you can finish i just don't want you to start naming more because that that might that might mess up some of mine you know what i'm saying Mm.
0: No, but just just a general learning new tunes thing. Like if you want to, to be better, you have to play with other people and you have to be on a scene and you have to learn from people who are your peers and learn from people who are just a little bit better than you. And to yeah. do that, you, you're going to want to play with them. And to play with them, you're going to want to play the music they're playing. So I would say, even if it's not anything that we're going to mention right now, yeah. if everybody on the scene you want to be a part of is playing some kind of tune, learn yeah. that tune. Like right, simple. Right, right, right. You know?
1: So all right, well, why don't we try to do this? Autumn leaves is a good one. Let's let's try to do fifteen that are not, uh, not even getting into the regional ones, perhaps too, like or, or the ones that would pretty much hit every region of the world, you know? Um, sure. There's probably gonna be more than fifteen of that. So autumn leaves, I'm gonna say all the things you are.
0: Uh, yeah, I will say straight, no chaser. Mm, Blue monk. Mm, that's probably better. Uh, and
1: just a quick thing too. I'm like the way I'm thinking about this, and, and I think is is useful as far as must-know jazz standards, like, these are almost like tunes if you go to a jam session at any level that no one should be saying, oh, do you know? Like, this would be just your call, or a gig, where you're calling a tune. And really, it should be, it will be a lot more than 15, but these should all be ones where there's not like, I mean, if you go to, look, I think Lush Life is a must-know standard because I think it's one of the most beautiful songs ever written. But I would never go to a jam session and be like, Lush Life, let's go. One, two, three. I mean, that's – no, come on. It, it's happened. It's yeah. happened.
0: Uh, I'm going to say for my next one, what are we on, like eight, six? No, that's i like I'm going to say – oh, shoot. I'll say um, Yardbird Suite.
1: Mm, interesting. Okay. Um, okay, so I'm going to say um, All Blues which is on my mind cuz I played it last night on the gig mm. but I think it's important because it's so many people I mean it's such a it's from such a popular album that's like probably the only oh no there's one other one I'm not even going to say it on there okay all blues go ahead uh,
0: rhythm and mm, okay so what
1: solar <laughs> um, impressions come on I mean, okay. you gotta know that. Come on, you you don't know impressions? You, yeah, you yeah, you're yeah. gonna make yeah, a jam yeah. session? Yeah, foot footprints. Yeah, exactly. Song for my father. Oh my gosh, blue <laughs> Bossom. Oh yeah, uh, record hey. a <laughs> me. You're like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: um, this ends when one th- of
1: us can't think of something.
0: <laughs> I know. I'm trying to think of uh, like the right.
1: Body and soul. Body and soul. Take the A train.
0: That's a good one. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Don't get around much anymore. Ooh, good. Satin doll. All of me. Ooh, all of you. <laughs> I knew it. Stella by <laughs> Stirlight.
1: There will never be another you. I got a little help from young. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: oh. Oh, was this... that your answer? Okay. No, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, is,
0: there is no greater love.
1: Oh, that's good um caravan
0: oh that is a good one
1: yeah. Juan one teasel in the
0: house one teasel in the his house uh jeez. <laughs> uh, uh, um if i
1: were a bell if i were a bell um about that embraceable you yeah. is that a month yeah that's is that one you that's yeah a good you could one call a, yeah
0: that's like it's on a string. That's on a string of ballads. Embraceable You, the very thought of you. Like yeah, maybe there's that's a getting bunch
1: into of... an, an area where you wouldn't. You wouldn't. I mean, you want to know them, but you wouldn't just come in and, 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 with the assumption that everybody knows it, unless they were kind of seasoned professionals. So Main well, that's voyage. Just, that's all oh, made voyage, yeah. voyage. Oh, and uh, Green Cantaloupe Dolphin Street, Island. Cantaloupe Green Island, Dolphin of Street. course. Um, and then, well, we won't get into it deep, but then we always have fun talking about. Um, uh, you know uh, tunes that are that are like standards now. Like what's the Roy Hargrove tune?
0: Strasbourg, St. Saint Denis.
1: Yeah, exactly. I would. That's.
0: <laughs> I didn't realize that. Cause I
1: yeah, that that's kind of a certain certain areas, especially a lot of places. So for sure. Cool. Cool.
0: cool. Uh, does anybody want to come on for a question?
1: While you're pondering that. Um, Let me just see another – oh, this is a good one from that boy Tom, another one. What is Peter – yeah, if you guys want to come on, just drop a message or or make a request to come on, I think is what it is. Um, What is Peter and Adam's dream lineup, past or current? Now, do you think that means dream lineup as far as to listen to or to play with? What do you think, Adam?
0: I don't know. It's a good question.
1: Oh, Maroon's asking after all blues. Yeah, Adam said rhythm a ning. That's ba He says to play with. It's tough one. Okay, I'm going to go to play with a dream lineup. And I'm kind of thinking of a combination that would work well too. I'm going to go with Wayne Shorter on the saxophone, a young up and coming saxophonist from Newark, New Jersey uh tony williams on the drums out of boston uh miles davis on the trumpet and ron carter on the bass so basically See, i would I fl- be supplanting I'm, myself yeah. in herbie hancock's spot there
0: <laughs> i'm gonna flip the script a little bit i'm gonna go paul chambers on the bass elvin jones on the drums john coltrane on tenor saxophone roy hargrove on trumpet
1: oh, that's awesome
0: yeah awesome yeah it is that'd be awesome
1: <laughs> cool record me some uh rob said yeah then we said record didn't we? and, and herbie, herbie hancock, hancock on <laughs> piano we play roads <laughs> exactly <laughs> um cool let's see all right yeah if anybody wants to come on let's do it okay um jumpy monkey says top five wayne shorter tunes asked about those um top five you- wayne shorter tunes you know what tune I love is, and I've, I'll remember the name in the minute. Scoo da, da scoo da, da. This is for Albert. Do do be do da Yeah, this this for Albert. I was just having fun singing.
0: I like that. I like one by one. Oh. boo da, boo,
1: boo da, Yeah. okay now that felt like we were singing together just now to me
0: i also love actually you know what i used to have in my repertoire that i don't play i haven't probably played it in 10 years i need to get it back is pinocchio one of my favorite tunes of all time
1: Mm. yeah oh man man what a lyrical melodic writer wayne is then there's some tunes on you know what i was listening to recently and i've always for some reason i've never focused on the names of the tunes, and some of them actually aren't Wayne's, but he had a record called Native Dancer in like the early, mid-80s, which is amazing. He did—he actually did this Milton National Mental tune on there, and then he had some of his tunes that are amazing. And then some of his stuff with Weather Report, and I, I was, because of when I started listening to those records, and I was so deep into them for a while, I never really knew what Joe Zavino wrote and what was Wayne's, and what was, um, I know Miroslav wrote some of that stuff, and um, but definitely I love i love his, I mean, Wayne's stuff is, is so... Talk about pattern. He had a pattern of writing badass tunes He <laughs> continues to. Allegra, it was more of a sh- it, Al- Al- Allegoria, what was that record? He had some beautiful compositions on there from like 10 years ago.
0: Yeah, Speak No Evil, evil mm. of course. Yeah. Nefertiti.
1: Yeah. It's all good, man. It's all good. Now, he had some bad ones, but yeah. he didn't release them. You know what I mean? Everybody's got bad tunes. They just didn't put them out.
0: Black Nile, Black of course. Nile,
1: yeah. Yeah. If you could yeah, go back I mean, in time and spend a night, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, dude's a national treasure, Wayne Shorter. Yeah, he
1: really is. He really is. Man, what a what a sweet guy too. Man, it's funny. Like, um, it's been so rare in in meeting you know the jazz musicians, elder statesmen, um, legends. You know, like Betty Carter and all these people that I've had the chance to meet. Really, none of them have been, I mean, there's, I guess, some subpar players that are kind of assholes, but basically, they've all been, like, really interesting and super nice and kind, just genuine people. So, I guess it goes hand in hand. I
0: I think it's, I think you can be an asshole and get to a certain level, but I think if you're going for, like, that Wayne Shorter level, there's a certain (laughs) amount of of being a good human being that just requires to be that open, you know what I mean? That's right, that's right. Like, not a lot of hate in that man's playing at all, that's what I'm saying. Uh drive says nothing.
1: You, oh, sorry. What is it? No, you got it. You got it. Oh, okay, you actually. If you could go back in time, if I could go back in time and spend a night hanging with someone, who would it be? Like a musician or yeah, I think we're talking about a musician hanging with. Ooh. I I wanna say Buddy Bolden because I wanna know if he was actually existed or not. There's <laughs> you know, <laughs> And I played the Buddy Bolden thing. I mean, this is just all stuff that's kind of on my mind. But yeah, I would like to go back to that, you know, the kind of origins of jazz and all this legendary stuff that there's been a lot of stories kind of convoluted just because it was coming out of that time period in New Orleans yeah. and the socioeconomic thing. I'd love to go back and hang with. Now, if I chose that, it's like the genie's bottle. I might go back and then. Okay, I'm going to meet – you you, know, you can go back with anybody in time. You're going to meet at this club at a bar. I might be sitting at a bar and nobody's there because Buddy Bolden maybe didn't exist. So I might be mm. overplaying my hand as it were. But I'm going to say Buddy Bolden.
0: I, you know what? Along those similar lines, I bet Fats Waller would be a good hang. He seemed like he would – would you would have a memorable night if you were hanging with Fats Waller.
1: Right. Absolutely.
0: Uh, uh, Dries van Nothing says, "How did you start playing? Did your parents get you lessons since you were small, or did you start by yourselves?" I'm still small. Let's... <laughs> uh I started by myself when I was five, uh, just picking out stuff in the radio. But I know Peter, you had music- musician parents, so it was more of a family a family operation for you.
1: Yeah, and they were kind of my first teachers. Although I also had uh, there was a woman I'm trying to remember her name. She was. Um... I was really young, but she was a really good piano teacher, and she had uh, like kids about me and my sister's age, and I know my mom arranged a thing where she taught them violin, and then she, this was back in the 70s, everything was bartered, you know what I'm saying? And uh, it was the big oil, cr- oil crunch, man. But one one carton of
0: cigarettes, one carton of <laughs> cigarettes for a month of violin lessons. Exactly,
1: it was kind of like that. No, but it was like, you know, so I had some really good... I mean, a much better teacher than I should have had for being so young and un- unaccomplished. So I, I had a very musically kind of, uh, especially for piano and violin too. I mean, I was playing with my mom when I was really young because she was teaching Suzuki to little kids. And before I was in school, I was always with her and she was giving me the violin and I'm, I'm seeing it and then playing. So now when you say you started when you were five, Adam, on your own, that means, but you had a piano in the house. So my aunt
0: bought me a little air organ, you know, that you plugged in, but it had like a fan and it had these buttons on the side, kind of like accordion buttons, where you would have major, minor, and dominant seven chords and nice. a bass. It was almost like if an accordion were, were a keyboard. These, were, these are still pretty common, actually. You plugged yeah. it in, you turned it on, and it had you know probably three octaves of piano keys and then a bunch of chords. And I used to just like pick songs off the radio, Beach boy songs from a tape my dad had or whatever, and just pick the tune out and sing it and learn the melody and learn the chords and all that stuff.
1: That's awesome. All right. Are all jazz musicians funny? No. Obviously not. (laughs) I mean, we're really only at 50-50 on this uh, little podcast, you know. Yeah. Um, Dead dead space. Did you think – here's a question.
0: Do you think that Keith Jarrett has an amazing (laughs) sense of humor? He's an amazing musician, a genius –
1: I've spoken with him he, twice, very briefly, yeah. and I can tell you there was yeah. nothing funny that he said. But that could have just been, you know, I've had bad luck. But, yeah, I'm going to say, well, you know what? He probably does. He he probably has a dry, a dry to his, wit. To his, <laughs> like, people he
0: thinks deserve his humor. It's, like, amazing. He's, right, he's, right. You know what I
1: mean? Yeah, I mean, are all jazz musicians funny? I mean, are all jazz musicians buffoons like us? Thankfully, no. But there is a range between Keith Jarrett, you know— and buffoonery, and um, I think that, well, one thing I have noticed about, I'm, I'm very interested in jazz musicians, especially when I was younger, and like meeting a lot of musicians for the first time from different, like I kind of grew up with a group of players, like when I was in middle school and high school, so I always had this, you know, a, a lot of jazz musicians kind of grew up on their own, like isolated, and then go to New York, or go to Berkeley, or go to Paris, or whatever, uh, but I always had kind of a group of musicians, and then older musicians in St. Louis that I was around, um, but I was always interested in what made what attributes and practice habits and just what was the commonality between really good players, you know? And so certain things I started to recognize because I wanted to, you know, kind of adopt them because I had really good training and piano and stuff. But then when I got into jazz, I was, I had some good teachers there too, but it was a lot of it was just sort of on my own. So I would start to see musicians, you know, that weren't pianists that were really good Almost always could play piano. So I started to mm-hmm. make that as a thing as what I would teach and recommend to people, not because I was biased as a piano, just because I'm like, look, all these grabby I mean, Roy Hargrove and Nicholas Payton, I'm meeting all these great players, and they were all like unusually good at the piano. I'm like, that must be a key to something, you know? Mm-hmm. But in terms of like humor and stuff, I noticed like definitely like a wittiness about a lot of jazz musicians, definitely kind of thinking quick on their feet, you know, really like quick. Now, whether or not, obviously, Keith Jarrett is very quick very intelligent stuff whether or not they apply that to humor or not not always but there's definitely kind of a wit if not a rapier's wit that's a possibility with a lot of (laughs) musicians
0: i've noticed there seems to be especially as i've gotten to know like you and your friends who are I, i would consider like on the top echelon of sort of you know uh of of jazz musicians and then also like you know, have played with everybody or whatever, there is a certain amount, and I've I've kind of took this to heart in the last couple of years of just like, there's not a lot of like sitting around and being like, oh, did that did that sound good? You know, like, ah, oh, I wish I wouldn't have played that. There's not a lot of that. There's a lot of like, okay, that wasn't great. There's a lot of, actually, it's like a very like Buddhist kind of thing. Like, okay, not not my best, but I'm going to fix that and move on. You know what right. I mean? And not dwelling as as opposed to, you know, sometimes like, musicians who have such a, a a a long way to go uh can be so hard on, on themselves and i'm like you know you, you you're just beginning like you 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 there's so much growth that you can apply here if you just you know you know what needs to be worked on just work on it and move on you know and just and just kind of don't dwell on any failures that happens that's the one thing i've noticed with a lot of top tier musicians is that it's not that they don't fail as much. I mean, obviously, you get to be really good. You don't make as many mistakes, and, and the mistakes you do make aren't very noticeable because you, can, you know how to, like, have fun with it or whatever, but I've noticed that they don't dwell on those mistakes as much. They fix them. They address them. They, they recognize them. It's not like they turn a blind eye to them, right? but they seem to have this, this uh, personality that is like, okay, you know, not great there. Uh, let's make that better. Instead of like, uh, that was, uh, you know, this is the worst, and we're the worst, and we're gonna get all, you know, super dark. Now, not that that never happens, but you know what I mean. In general, they're they're much more prone for like a growth mindset, what we call in like tech speak now. But that's a it's a real thing.
1: Right. That's great. Okay, so Young just sent a request, and I'm gonna pull you in. But can I trust you? Because you gotta you got a little bit of a sketchy uh Young IG is. name. And I know I'm going to refresh
0: my drink. I'm going to go... Okay, good. Maybe, so I'm going to bring you yeah.
1: on, but I'm going to have my finger ready here. This is a... Okay, hold on a second. We're going to get rid of that guy, Adam. Remove Adam. Bam, gone. And we're going to add Young. Oh, Josh. Good. You have a name that's not... Okay, here you go. Here is the famous, the infamous Josh who would like to ask a question with the possibility of being uh, featured on a coming episode of the You'll Hear It podcast. What's up? Oh, what's up, Josh? You hear me? Yeah. What's going on, man? How you doing? Good. Good. How you living? I'm pretty good. Um, I have a question. I've been shedding a lot since um, I have all this time and whatnot. And um, sometimes I'll learn a new thing. And, uh, wanna I'll say like, all right, I'm going to put that in like the daily routine of stuff I want to practice every day. Yeah. And then I'm, and now I'm realizing like there's so much stuff in the daily routine that yeah. like some stuff is going to have to get out of this daily routine. Yep. You know what I mean? So like, how do you make that decision of what to um, take out of the day? So, so do you mean like during this time when you have more time, you feel like you can handle it, but you're afraid once life starts to go back to normal, you're going to be accustomed to having the time and not know what to remove that kind of thing that, but also
0: just as you, as I add more stuff, um, you know, eventually there's, eventually there's not going to be enough time in the day, you know?
1: Right. Got it. Okay, cool. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring back in Adams. I wanted to talk about this too. Thanks for the question. We're going to answer you. Sounds good. I right. appreciate it. Cool. Um, so that's a really great question uh, Josh and thank you. Uh, you know, um, and I think, you, you know, we're probably kind of to fault in a lot of ways because we're always throwing so many ideas out there and we should give a little bit more of a disclaimer in terms of, uh, don't try all this at one time, you know? So I think, you know, one thing that I found very helpful is, and first of all, like everybody has this problem. I mean, I know I do, I, I'm assuming everybody does, you get excited about a bunch of different things just within the in the realm of music and developing on your instrument, developing as a jazz musician, and um, you know it can be, lead to overwhelm, but it can also lead to trying to kind of push the, the the faders up in too many areas at the same time. So if we think about it, like um, you know. Breaking your practice up into areas as opposed to time, I can find that that works really good. So you're going to have to push some things off to other times. So that means that if you have eight hours a day to practice or one hour a day, you're still hitting those primary areas. Um, and then you use the other things that you want to do as kind of bonus if you feel like you've gotten through and, and, and really gotten done what you need to you can bring those in. And I'm not talking about specific things of practice. I'm talking about areas of practice. So that can give you a little bit more structure than just this endless list. So one of them would be repertoire, you know, learning tunes, unless you feel like, oh, I know enough tunes. Whoever feels that, probably nobody. Um, So that could be one of the area. And this is not necessarily in the order you would practice it, but then technique, that's definitely something for every instrument that you're going to want to be doing every day. So repertoire, technique, and then something related to ear training. And depending on where you're at, That could be learning a solo. That could be, you know, maybe practicing a tune in a new key, learning some phrases, um, learning your intervals, learning new scales, you know, wherever you're at. It's something that's really activating your ears. Uh, And then the fourth area, I would say, would be practicing performing, just playing. And this can potentially be the shortest part of your practice time in that, you know, in five minutes you can play a tune and that could be just that part or you could do a 30-minute whole set or whatever. Um, So you know adam was there and he left, he giveth and he goeth um then you can have that other list going but it's additive you know what i'm saying like you know you're hitting those main areas and so if it's four areas maybe you're saying like you know uh 2 hours to practice so i'm going to break it up 30 minutes 30 minutes 30 minutes 30 or 30 40 whatever um but that gives you a framework um for before you start to practice. Like when we get into practicing, then you're trying to organize these things. I find that that leads to less productive practice where you're just kind of running around randomly. Oh, I still got to do this. And then you don't feel like you've really gotten, I mean, you are accomplishing stuff because you're at your instrument, but it's not as productive practice. Um, So having said that, you still want to keep flexibility, I believe, into your routine. So that that means if you're in one area of practice and you really feel like um, you're in that flow state, you're making a lot of progress, but you're at the end of the 30 minutes that you've allocated. Don't let the clock, don't be a slave to the clock. Just keep going with that because it's all about progress. You might miss another area, but you gotta be flexible. And as jazz musicians, that should come uh naturally to us, you know. I hope. So there you go. I'm gonna see if Adam has anything to say about that, but he keeps drifting off, much as he does on the actual podcast. No, I'm just kidding. He's always there. Um What's up, Flavia? He's back. What's up, Adam? What's
0: up? I'm having sound issues.
1: Oh, I don't know anything about that. Yeah. Can you hear now? Not really, but I'll make it work. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, I don't know if you heard uh, Josh's question. He had a great question, and I, I gave one uh, kind of angle on it. But if you wanted to add anything, he was basically asking um, – about overwhelm in practice like you have all these things that you want to hit he's concerned because you know he's got all this time to practice now but then it's like getting all these different ideas and so I was just talking about you know kind of a framework of sort of the minimal viable practice routine we could call it and then bring in other things without feeling like you have to get to all those things so that you don't get spread too thin within your practice because the whole thing is like every day we want to be making progress but you're not going to make progress it's, it's never like this. It's always going to be up and down. And once you accept that, the, the failures and the triumphs of practicing and music, everything starts to get to be easier and you can stop being so hard on yourself. So, like, I'm very hard on myself just in terms of, like, putting in the work. But in terms of, like, how much I progress on a certain day, I know that some days it's going to be none. But then other days it's going to be a whole lot. And so the days where you don't feel like you make any progress, that all contributes to what you're going to get down the road. So you got to be patient and, and just keep putting the work in. Yeah, uh, I think
0: this is where having some kind of regular technical practice routine, like some kind of set things of like, well, if I don't do anything else today, I know I can get in this technical practice where I can push the metronome, where I can push, you know, uh, my hands or my brain in a way that is is confusing them and making them better, right? Because for me, it's like there's an ebb and flow between like, I'll get really excited about maybe a concept or an idea or a tune or a solo right and i'll want to like really shed hard on say like you know whatever pentatonics and taking them outside the new way to find you know uh my way back home and all this stuff and i'll be like okay and that might last for two weeks right or a new voicing structure and that might last for a week and i've run it through you know all the tunes that i feel like i want to run it through in the keys and i feel like pretty good about it but i start getting burnt on it and this is where having something like you know uh the Phillips exercises, which we've been doing a lot in the daily practice routine scales and arpeggios and different yeah. things that I can, I know that my whole life I'm always going to be able to go back to them. And they're always going to be, be able to provide me with, first of all, a level of like gauging where I'm at technically. Like when I go back to some of those Phillips exercises, it's like a wake up call of like, Oh snap. Like, this is not together. Like, my finger dependence has gone downhill this year because I haven't hit these in a while or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a good thing to just check in with yourself. Or even, like, a, a C major scale. Like, if you haven't played a C major scale both hands in a bunch of different ways in a while, go to the piano and try it. And if right. if anything is really challenging, okay, so that's cool. Like, we can we can work on that a little bit. It's just something to, like, kind of—it's uh, it's like, you know, with meditation practice, Right you can always go back to just paying attention to your breath like the most basic basic berry meditation practice is just pay paying t- trying to pay attention to your breath and bring yourself back that's kind of what scales and arpeggios are to me on the piano is like if i'm not if i'm not feeling any kind of particular artistic technique or or idea that i want to shed yeah. i have these technical things in my back pocket that i can go to i can get some kind of growth and i can at least connect with the piano in a way that keeps me centered at it and keeps my chops up.
1: Yeah. Like a, yeah. Back to basics. Bob, we call that back to basics. Bob basic um, basics, Bo, you know, what I'm saying? whatever, whatever other B names we have basic Bonnie. So I was just thinking about that basic Biden, basic Biden. <laughs> um, where is Joe? Joe's laying low. Come on, Joe, we need you. Um, so I was just looking out at our, um, beautiful virtual garden and uh i was thinking about if you think about the practice and hopefully this will help a little bit as you know tending to a garden in that you go into specific areas and you really want to build up this little flower bed and if you've got a lot of space you always every day no matter what you're working on you got to look at the overall you can't tend to the whole garden every day unless you have a huge staff but that's okay like you're you're you, you you might want to go into this area because the sun's hitting it, and it's really good, and you're passionate about it, and that's okay. But the C major scale, the Phillips exercises, find those things that give you that overall thing so that you're hitting that, so that you're seeing the whole garden. And then I love the, like, just kind of playing, too, because that, that's that connection with music, practicing, performing, as we call it. Um, that gives you a, a nice overall thing, too. But don't be afraid to not tend to some areas on certain days. That's okay. Because you can't get to everything. But look at them. You know, look at the whole garden. Because if some area is starting to be untended for long enough, you're going to have to get to that even if you don't want to.
0: And then something that I've learned, you know, working here at Open Studio, you know, some some techniques have transferred really well to the practice room. Like like prioritizing, right? Like make a list of the things that are the most practical to you. Like maybe that's you know five note two handed voicings right that you would use literally on every gig right, right? you're going if you don't know those voicings that you love in every key you got two years worth of work there my friend and that's yeah, exactly. like really like every gig you go to if you worked on that would be better than the last right because you'd be getting yeah. those in all those keys and you'd just be a more solid player or maybe it's your time maybe it's like that's one thing every time you hear you don't like your time Prioritize the most practical things in your playing that you can work on today and you will make huge strides because usually Absolutely. we overlook those for some kind of aspirational I want to play like you know Kenny Kirkland right now or whatever well Kenny right. Kirkland spent a lot of time on some fundamentals Right. and like if you don't have those fundamentals prioritized and then shedded yeah. it's not, not going to do the, the you know Fazzinian man anytime soon
1: Kenny Kirkland put the fun in Dementals okay. you know what I'm saying okay but the psht. Cool. Uh, Flavia asks, so and I think this segues nicely with what we're talking about. So, you think two hours in a day is enough? Some days, no. Some days, yes. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very. I'm always reticent to say how much time. I can tell you that if you don't go through some pretty serious periods where you're hitting two hours minimum per day practicing, then it's it's very difficult to like to very uh, difficult to kind of get to that next level you know but an hour of very disciplined and like this is why it's difficult to talk about time some people amount of time to practice some people practice for two hours and they get about seven minutes accomplished during that time if you know what i mean you know and i've i've been guilty of that before i got a lot of experience in this so um you know i i really try to think about it at this point um in terms of what i want to get accomplished the time comes in If I don't have enough time, which is normal, a lot of people are experiencing for the first time in a long time, presently more time than they've ever had to practice. So you can have, you know, a problem that's going to be very uncommon. I have not been experiencing that, although I've been actually having more time to practice, but it's still been like within constraints. So I'm very much about maximizing that time, but also thinking about things like for me, two hours of practice at the right time of day, like when I'm very mentally and creatively engaged at that, at that peak level is, is at least 100% better than two hours at another time. I mean, two hours at the wrong time is almost worthless for me. So, but I've kind of started to learn about that. And, you know, it, it's gotten so much easier during this time because I'm not traveling. Like, travel is the main thing that would mess that up. So I would say two hours a day is enough, um, but allow yourself to go more when you can. And then don't beat yourself up if you can't do two hours. Just look at maximizing that hour or 30 minutes. Or, or didn't we officially say five minutes was an acceptable amount of time where you could progress? Done I can get
0: something done in five minutes. Yeah. yeah, if you have the right mindset, and if you're like you said, like for me too, time of day is super important. I will get more done between seven a.m. and eight a.m. than I will between three p.m. and eight p.m. If yeah. I had that time, you know what I mean? Right. Like that one hour could be more productive than four or five hours later for me because I'm well. Exhausted. Whiskey
1: drinking during those hours, you're very productive with that. I can attest to that. That those those are good Word. hours for you there. But, uh.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I mean that that just depends, and then and then what you do with that time, how you structure it. Is just important. You know, we talk about this all the time. Uh, Don't play things that you already are good at playing. You know, those you're going to play as you are at your instrument, as you perform. Those are naturally your ego can't help but want to play some of those things you can already do really, really well. So use that time in the practice room to work on things that need improvement. And they can be things that are really close. You know, like I was was just saying about like voicings or something like that. You kind of are like 60% there on. Yep. That's where you should be focusing your, your energy on that forty percent that is left to go for those.
1: Yep, absolutely. Okay, if anybody else wants to come on, in case you can't find how to request, I think it is possible because Josh did it. Um, you can also drop into where it says questions on there and say I want to come on, and I'll try to find you. Um, we got a couple of cool questions from Jazz Licks Lesson, who I'm not familiar. Are you familiar with these folks, Adam? I like the name Jazz Licks Lessons. Adam? No, you say no. Okay, so the first one is, is it useful to learn Charlie Parker solos at the piano? Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes, yes. Times 10, 10X, 100X, 1,000X. I can tell you from personal experience, that's been some of the most beneficial um, activities I've done uh, to learn not just bebop language. It's very easy to kind of put Charlie Parker, bebop, he was a master of bebop and that's it. No, I mean, it's it, like when you invent a genre not single-handedly but when i mean when you're kind of the, the foremost you know pro- protagonist in in something as powerful as what is called bebop which is much bigger than that it's the continuation of this music really um then you know you uh, it it's it's huge so what it does for ear training what it does for vocabulary for feel for swing for blues i mean it's it's just unbelievable
0: yeah i mean i think for the slow downer thing I think it could be a really useful tool actually. I think it just depends on what you're using it for. You know, and I think just like everything else, ear training is something that we want to push ourselves just outside of our comfort zone with every session. So, maybe, you know, trying to transcribe Coltrane solo in real time is way too far out of your comfort zone um, right now and either find a, you know, either find a different solo that's easier or you can use something like the slow downer and try to get it in or just outside of your comfort zone. But I would always be pushing a little bit outside of that for ear training. Try to be, you know, again, try to challenge yourself. Do what you're not good at already. So if you can get things easily with the slow or try upping the speed a little bit of it. I mean, that's what's so great about uh, things like, you know, uh, th- these, these uh, audio uh, DAWs is that we can, you know, have a gradient of how much we slow it down. And that helps. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I just, I I always try to kind of summarize it as, you know, try to learn in real time as much as you can. But if you're getting, if you're getting stuck and you're, I mean, you know, there's a difference between being stuck when you're trying to progress in anything and hitting a rough patch, you know. So you got to have some grit to transcribe and just know that as you're pushing through, like being truly stuck means like you are not moving at all. If you're kind of slowing down and whatever, but if you're stuck, yeah, use the use the tools, but just get as far enough so you get out of that rut. It's like when your car is you know stuck in the mud, just get out, but don't make everybody keep pushing you after you're out for sure. Um, because yeah, like like Adam said, the ear training man that's 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 where it's at, and that's the kind of stuff that that, that the benefits always show up later. It's a lagging indicator of your musicianship and and um you know well, I think um, a lot of
0: people we, a lot of people think of it as a way to get new information, right. I'm just using my ear training. I'm just transcribing. So I'll know what this player is playing when actually some of the most beneficial things about transcribing is the work you're doing on your ears. And so if you think about it like that, like I should be making this harder on myself, not easier on myself because I want to be able to just hear it very, very fast. Right. And so if this is easy for me to hear or if it's too slow or whatever, then I'm not I'm not actually getting the most out of this.
1: Yep. Good stuff. Stephanie asks – no, it doesn't ask questions. just says hi from Germany. Hello, Stephanie. Um, I'm currently – this is from Sharia – man, how come I can't read names when they're all smashed together? I don't know, man. Shire. Come on. I'm currently dealing with a hand injury. So what's the best way to practice away from the piano? Interesting. Um, I think, um, listening, ear training stuff that you can do by singing. Um, cause I'm assuming you're saying away from the piano, you can't, you know, you, you're not wanting to use your hands. Um, you know, I've heard some good things about physical therapy for, and this is a tough time now though with sheltering at home and most people being quarantined. So I don't know if you can do that on your own or some kind of telemedicine thing, but you got to find like a, a physical therapist. Um, and I think Dr. Chuck, when we interviewed him last week talked a little bit about this but that has experience with musicians but also this the kind of things that are typical and there's a lot of them that really are very good at this with piano and or if it's with computer you know hands a lot of hand injury and stuff like that but you could do some stuff to kind of help that but while you're doing that get get, get your ear training stuff because that's as important as a skill as the physical things uh that we need you can also learn solos by ear not at the piano that's a great way and even like writing them out or whatever um, there's, there's a lot of things you can do there.
0: It's true. Yeah. Ear training is definitely something that can replace regular physical, uh, practice.
1: Um, agent secretario is not really a question, but I got to say it. Your podcast is great. Well, we, we agree. If, if, if we have any fault, it's a lack of humility. <laughs> um, Man, have you guys, I'm glad people are still listening to the podcast. Our numbers are down a little. I'm not really a numbers guy when it comes to that, but um, I heard anecdotally from uh, Andrew, our sequestered and, and um, sheltering-at-home producer, our, um, our, our long-off producer, that uh, the numbers are down. But people, you know, nobody's commuting. That's a big thing. Um, that's exactly right. Oh, we got Bang from Botswana. I think that's our first, uh, uh, you'll hear an interaction from, from Botswana. So thank you for being here. We say Dumela. Dumela. All right. And guess, is that like so what's, hello or something?
0: what's up? Yeah. What's up, everybody? Uh, this is a Q&A, too. So if you have any questions yeah. for us, we're here to answer. Probably for, for another 20 minutes or so, Pete, you think?
1: Yeah. My AirPod batteries just went out. So that's a little bit of a signal. OK.
0: okay. So, so let's take maybe two more questions. If anybody has two more
1: questions, we're hanging and on. Who wants to jump on here? Oh, yeah. I see Jeff Clapp on here. We should bring on Jeff Clapp. We, we have a, a very accomplished drummer in case we have any drummer questions. A brush specialist and a swing and groove specialist I can personally attest to. Um, people are shy, though. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Um, Christian saying, one comment I've gotten is that my ears move faster than my hands. Any advice for how to get my hands to catch up with my ears. Yeah. That's keep doing what you're doing. I mean, you want to see progress in that area, but that's one of the, another slower kind of lagging areas, but that's good. I mean, the whole thing about it is I don't know that your hands ever totally catch up to your ears. I know for me, I feel like, you know, it's interesting, like especially solo piano, that's the most exposed. And because I've been only kind of doing that performance wise lately that I'll hit moments in a solo piano gig where I feel like, my ears and my hands are like just locked in. Like I'm hearing stuff and it's coming, you know, but that's maybe, to be honest, maybe 10 or 20% of the time, you know? And so that, that's that kind of like, in terms of, for me, solo piano, kind of that flow state that's happening there. Uh, and it's really exciting. So I look forward to, you know, increasing that percentage. And I've been thinking a lot about and trying some things out. I haven't necessarily found the special sauce, but Thinking about things I can specifically practice to pull that along. I think ear training is always something no matter what level you're at. I mean for me, I've been practicing ear training for so many years. I felt like I should have been at Nirvana or 100% by now. But I still am amazed by how much progress uh, I have to go, how much area for growth that there is. Because what happens is as your ears get better, it's like – it's like you're climbing up a mountain and then you get to the top or even close to the top and then you start to see the really big mountain on the other side. And because your ears are getting better, you see new possibilities. And, and so then your hands being, you know, no matter what instrument you play, your hands kind of catching up, as you say, is about, you know, making sure your technique is there yeah. to be able to serve your storytelling that, of things that you can possibly hear now.
0: It's so true, man. So true. Well, thank you, everybody.
1: Oh, you said two more, man. What's up? Why, why, we why don't you have any more. Oh, we don't have any more. We got some com- uh, comments, though. So they're not questions. I watch your playlist every morning. Keep them coming. We will. Um, did we get everything? I think Advice so. for older students to speed up learning. You know what? I think I'm, I'm starting to rethink. I used to say, like, learning an instrument is like learning a language. And I mean, I still believe that like learning a foreign language in that it's easier to do when you're young. I don't, I don't think I believe that anymore. I, th- I think it's simpler to do when you're young because you've got that mindset of like, you're not thinking about it. Right. You know, when we, when we typically learn our first language, um, you're learning it from the minute you're born, your brain hasn't really caught up and then you, you know, you're learning from your mother, your father, your character, you know, whatever. So you, you have the advantage of, of not having to think it through too much. When we get older, we always think, oh, we're getting dumber, we can't remember things. I don't really, I mean, I I think it's more we have a hard drive and the hard drive gets full. So you got to offload some of that stuff so you have room to learn a new language. And then we have a lot of advantages when we're older. We know that time is not unlimited. When you're young, you think, oh, I can always get to that. As you get older, you're like, whoa. So you should be able to focus better, push out distractions, and, you know, so I think that it's a matter of getting that mindset of a child learning the language being willing to try things and experiment, which is what ear training is about, as opposed to saying, I have to know what it looks like and rationalize it. That's not what music is. Act like a little kid that imitates a language where you're just like, that mama, that, you know, like yeah. literally. Just try to imitate it. And it's not going to sound right. And you keep doing it until you get the food that you want or whatever. Right. You got to get on that on that base level. So the closer we can get to that, um, I, I think it can work really well. You know, just get that childlike mentality. That's what That's it's about. Exactly.
0: Don't you think too, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of cultural beat down about like, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Like, so we get this mindset of like, maybe I can't learn something new. So you well, have that's to. That's actually
1: true. I got to tell you, we have two dogs and one of them's old. And it turns out we were we just can't, trying can't. to teach it tricks. You cannot teach an old dog <laughs> new tricks.
0: But you, but humans can learn things as we get older and you have yes. to believe that you can grow. That's the like, first thing that a child doesn't have any knowledge that they can't learn something because their whole first 20 years is just learning things constantly. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So they know they can grow. They're growing physically every day. Right. They, there's no doubt. Somehow around like 28, we get this thing in our head that we, we're done and that yeah. that's all we can do. And if you can get past that and, and keep a belief that I can grow here, I can grow in a year from now, I can be you know, sharper, stronger, play better, whatever it is, uh, you will. You, you'll be able to I do it. I
1: believe I can fly. You know it, man. You know it. I believe I can touch the sky. I think about it every day and night. Oh wait, that's written by R. Kelly. Cancelled. <laughs> we have to edit this out. Cancelled. Um, I, I, I will.
0: No, no, no. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna edit out uh, Michael Jordan, Bugs Bunny, <laughs> Daffy so, Duck yeah, classic. yeah, I mean it's.
1: it's uh, we want a piano reharm harm of... I've, you know what? I. It's funny you said that. I've kind of got one, but I can't... A space I jam? Can't... If I believe I can fly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always like that, too. But so... um you can't yeah, do it, though. I think that that... You cannot do like, it. We don't want to be like... We don't want to be, um, you know, pie in the sky of like, you can do anything. We know this stuff is hard. You know what I mean? And it's challenging. And so... It's not binary either. It's not like you're just, as a child, like, but as you get older, I really believe that this, this mindset thing can help us. It's not going to be 360 degree flipping around. And it takes time, you know, because there's so many things like we just hear messaging so much about when you're older, it's hard to learn. You can't do this. You're supposed to do this. Stick in the matrix, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, the, the fun thing about when you're getting older is like you don't care anymore. You shouldn't care anymore. It's like, you know, we're the ones kind of in charge. So, yeah, everyone's saying that's a great tune. That's what I'm saying, man. Great tune. Oh, see. I'm oh, missing the comments here. This is, is, man, my,
0: my stuff has been janky all weekend, man. I'm not really? seeing any comments. Yeah. I think that's yeah. totally true. I think, I think one of the advantages of getting older is you start, you start to really whittle out things that are taking more than they're giving. And you, you yeah. understand the importance of things that give more than they take. And things like practicing the piano is something that gives you way more than it takes from you, you know? And so you're able to, to focus on that a little more. I gotta go, so Pete. Did, my my get, kids have been outside for like an hour and a half. I have. I've oh my! Come on,
1: go get you. Come on, watch I've locked kid, them out man. of the right, house. Thanks everybody for being here. I think someone's <laughs> gonna make the podcast. Don't you think this week?
0: Oh yeah, we're putting this whole thing on the podcast. Look for it on Monday. So, oh damn, there you go. And All it, right. Well,
1: until tomorrow,
0: you'll hear it.